Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Um, so on the 23rd of October, God gave me a prophetic word for women. I was ministering at um, Covenant Nation, their women's conference, the B Women's Conference. And the night before, I had a dream of the Lord where God began to speak to me about what he wanted to do with and in women. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to, to read everything. There are 20 prophetic um, things, declarations that the Lord made concerning women in the next season. And I truly believe that, you know, as we speak about rebuilding, we speak about restoration, um, the Lord is doing a lot of that in women. Um, not, to, not to take out what he's doing in men, he's doing that in men too. Um, but I see a lot of brokenness in a lot of women. Um, and I feel like the season um, for that is over. The season of the onslaught is not over, but the season of strength and revelation and strategy from heaven on how to handle and combat the onslaught is about to come down from heaven. And women are about to receive a fresh template and a fresh blueprint on how to handle um, the oppression of hell and darkness. Um, but one of the things I shared in the prophetic word as the Lord gave it to me, this is such not a good day to have my phone lock every time I don't touch it. One of the things the Lord said, I'm just going to read a couple of them, is, uh, for I am setting a process of restoration in place. For I say to you that the years that, that the palmer worm, the locust and the canker worm and the caterpillar have eaten, I'm restoring to you in one season. And you see the scripture in Joel 1 verse 4. Now, one of the things I want to highlight is actually the process of breaking down and the process of destruction that the enemy uses. And since we're talking about rebuilding, it is good to know how things got broken in the first place. Now, the palmer worms, they usually eat the fruit and they kill um, and if you want to look at it in terms of us as believers, they kill the fruit of the spirit in you. And you realize that one of the first things that begin to happen when you are being attacked by hell is that you lose your ability to be kind and to be nice and to be gracious, you know, and to love and, you know, to be true and all of that. You just want to protect yourself and take care of yourself for once. But you see, that's the oppression and the attack of the palmer worm. It usually comes in the form of eating and stealing the fruits from you. Now, the locusts come after the palmer worm in the four stages of destruction. The locust comes after the palmer worm, um, and after they have eaten the fruit, they come and they eat the leaves. And you know, the leaves usually in trees is what the, the, the trees use in the process of photosynthesis to get their food, their nourishment, and just to take from the sun and convert all of that. So in, in terms of prophetically, when it eats the leaf, it's eating your prayer life and your ability to connect with God. So the next stage of destruction is when you begin to feel all that agitation and that feeling of, you know, I'm tired, I can't do this, you're getting shot with people. The next thing that begins to happen is then he attacks your prayer life so that there's no going back from that and the canker worm they go and they eat the back of the tree destroying the covering and the branches so the next stage of destruction that the enemy then gets into is that he breaks your connection with the fold the church and the fellowship with believers so he first comes for the fruit of the spirit and then he comes for your connection with God and the next thing he comes for the back he comes for your covering and your connection with church with believers and the people that God has placed around you your accountability circle and the fourth stage of destruction is the caterpillar the caterpillar it boils into the pulp and it sucks 
it out. So the last stage is that the enemy sucks the life from you, leaving you broken and depressed. So Satan does not just attack you overnight and take everything from you. When you find a person that has arrived at the stage of helplessness, complete helplessness, complete brokenness, they are lifeless. It just feels like everything is just blah to them. You know, they don't want to be in church. They can't find any interest in the word. Everything is just dim. Know that they have gone through these four stages. They have first gone through the three stages before they arrived at the fourth stage of destruction. So Satan's hope is that at the end of what he's doing with you is that he would have sucked life out of you. That if you ever even got life, all you're thinking about is how to nourish yourself and how to sustain yourself. And over the years, I found out that when people get to this point, as opposed to going back to the foundational restoration and going back to the foundational rebuilding, they tend to hide and to cover their wounds and their brokenness. And what they do is they hop from meetings to meetings. They become prophetic junkies looking for prophetic words to just help them believe that there's still something good inside of them, to help them believe that God still wants to use them and it's almost like a junkie who gets a fix and you get a fix just for that time and within one week two weeks after two weeks you're shaking again you are in need of somebody to help you up again and you're like pastor moses can you come back pray with me pi no i'm not going to do that with you i'm not going to help you stay in this you know con this recurrent cycle of brokenness, restoration, brokenness, restoration. Rather, what I'm going to say to you is, come, let's build up the ancient foundations. Come, let's build up the things that have been broken. Come, let's build up your love for God. Come, let's build up your prayer life. Come, let's get back into the word. Come, let's get back to the foundations of our faith. Let's get back to the teachings. Let's get back to the laying on of hands. Let's get back to baptism in the Holy Ghost. Let's get back to love for the saints and love for the brethren. I tell you something the things that we call simple in our faith are really the foundations recently we saw the house that collapsed in lagos and when you look at that beauty nobody looks at a beauty and say wow beautiful foundation nobody does that you look at a house you're like wow it's so beautiful it's got this amenity got that amenity it looks so good but you see the beauty of the house could only be showcased because of the firmness of its foundation now many times i find out a lot of believers are quick to jump into the beauty of the building forgetting that what holds you in place are the foundations of our faith there are certain things you cannot walk away from and pastor bumi was using the analogy of that building for me recently and just talked about how everything crumbled it just crumbled as though it never stood tall before and so this is what is happening to a lot of believers they just crumble as though they never stood tall before and when you see that happening it is not because they never loved the lord it is not because they never believed in God. It is because there was something wrong with the foundation. Maybe not initially, but later in life. Because I needed to understand that the processes of God do not happen in a moment in time. The processes of God happen consistently through time. And so God may call you to build foundation in the day you knew him. But you see, two years later, three years later, one week later, the Lord begins to say to you, I need you to rebuild your foundations. I need you to set in order again the foundational things. Because for every stage that the Lord pulls you into that stage requires a new level of settling and balance and so you may have been balanced in the act of serving in church as just a choir but the moment the spirit of God calls you up and begins to say to you I want to put you in the prayer team you need to find foundations in prayer and the moment the Lord says to you I'm calling you and I'm pulling you into the marriage unit you need to find foundations in marriage foundations so even if you are 50 years in the faith 
or 100 years in the faith, you need to keep building and rebuilding your foundations. Because the enemy never backs down. That's one characteristic of Satan. The Bible calls him the old crooked serpent. He's ancient. He has time until his time is over. He knows nobody is taking him out until the time comes. So he's going to waste it all on you. So while you feel like, oh, I need a break, I need a vacation, you know, this whole church thing, this whole prayer thing, this whole studying the word thing, Satan doesn't have a thing. His thing is you. Oh, you are his obsession. Consistently and completely thinking about ways in which he can bring you down. And when I teach people um, in my course, Awaken to Your Purpose, I tell them, I said, why is it that we take the time to study so many things? People go to school to study architecture. Afterwards, people move on to, you know, master's level. They do a master's in business architecture. Some people go ahead to PhD. They take the time to study. They take the time to become pros and become fantastic at their jobs. But how come you never take the time to study your own life? There are many people sitting here that there are repeated patterns of brokenness in your life. Repeated patterns of brokenness that started with your father. There's history about the fact that it started with your grandfather. And now it has come down to you. And now you have a child. How come you have never taken the time to study the architecture of the spiritual makeup of your lineage? And how come you have never taken the time to ask yourself, how is it that deliverance can be birthed out of this ashes? How is it that the fire of God can come out of such a cold, cold family line? For the Spirit of God says to you this morning that out of you I am raising a craftsman. The Bible declares that the, the, the prophet began to say, what is this? He said, these are the horns that come to torment and come to terrify Judah and Jerusalem so that no man can lift their heads. So that the people are constantly bowed. You are constantly afraid. You are not able to launch out. You are not able to dare. You are not able to try. You are not able to think that something great can come out of you. And the next thing, the, while the prophet was getting depressed and sad, and said this is the destiny of God's people he said the same angel said to him hey look at these guys coming who are they he said these are the craftsmen these are the ones that we torment the horns they are not going to escape it but they will torment it because as Isaiah 61 began to say he said you that you have been restored you will now restore the desolation of many generations you were not restored to escape you were restored to rebuild and so, so the spirit of the craftsman is coming upon you the spirit of the craftsman is coming upon you. There are certain things about craftsmen. And you know, I just ju- I'm going to jump right into the things I said I will share today, which are the four protocols of our faith or the four protocols of rebuilding. One of the first protocols of rebuilding, I call it the protocol of mastery. The protocol of mastery. The Bible says in Galatians um, 6, I believe, from verse 4 to 5, message version. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are. And the life that you have been given. And when you have found it, sink yourself into it. Do not compare yourself one to another. But each one of you must do the creative best you can with your own life. He says, make a careful exploration. I'm a geologist by training. And you know, in geology, there's something we call exploration. Before you find somebody digging oil and getting oil out of the ground, they must have gone through an exploration process. And you see, the exploration process is very expensive. It's not cheap. The exploration process is where a lot of the money goes into. Because you're getting all this equipment, you're getting all this expertise, you're getting all these people together who are going to help you drill this ground. 
and tell you if there is oil in it and tell you how much oil there is in the ground and tell you how you can tap the oil and tell you how long the oil is going to last for and tell you you know which area you can get it first and where you can go next how is it that we spend so much money in exploring things like oil which we perish and the eternal well of God that is deposited inside of us you have not spent money or time to make a careful exploration of who you are let me tell you many times we are seeking to rebuild and we are seeking to build with people we are seeking to build institutions and build things and we are searching for wealth outside of ourselves I want to tell you that the greatest investment that exists in this world is you the greatest investment that God has placed in your life are the things that God has placed in you but I found out that the reason why many people do not explore is number one they are too afraid of what they will find you are afraid that the moment you begin to explore, you will find out that you are a narcissist like your father. You are afraid that the moment you begin to explore, you will find out that you are a bit cowardly like your mother who never walked away. You will find out that when you begin to explore, you realize that all the days that you skipped classes and bribed your lecturer to graduate is going to show up that you are not really a doctor. We are afraid to explore sometimes because we are afraid of what we will find. Some people are afraid of the greatness that they will find. Because you have played your life small and played your life in the background for so long that smallness becomes normal to you. But the Bible says when you find it, sink yourself into it. Sink yourself into what you discover, who you have discovered yourself to be. There was a time when I was chasing after jobs in Mobile, Total and all of those places. Because I believe that as a geologist, I am meant to get an oil and gas job and make the school fees my parents paid in dollars to be worth it. Do you understand? They spent some good dollars on me. How can I now tell them that what I want to do in my life is to preach the gospel? How can I tell them that what I want to do in my life is to be a teacher, to be a trainer? How can I tell them that this is, this is what it all amounts to? But I have the qualification to go into this field. But guess what? It took me a while, but it took me time after university to carefully explore who I am. And I found out that there are areas in my life that are easily lubricated by God. The moment I touch it, it glows. The moment I get in there, I feel the grace and the hand of God upon it. And so I realized that one of the areas is in teaching, is in training, is in impacting the people of God with the gospel of Christ. And so I sunk myself into it. And so when you go to some places or you emerge on some new scenes, people say, ah, who is she? Where did she come from? She came out of nowhere. I did not come out of nowhere. You just were not in the place where God was preparing me. I sunk myself into it. I sunk myself into it. If you wake me up at 4 a.m. and tell me, P.I., the fishes in the sea, let's pray. I can pray straight for one hour nonstop about fishes in the sea. And it is not because we cram prayers. It is because we have learned the art of praying, of connecting with the Lord on any topic. And so you have to sink yourself into it, mastery. Mastery is important if you're going to build or rebuild anything. No matter how much you love your brother, if he's a tailor, will you give him your blueprints to build a house for you to live in? Never. Why is it that we commit our lives to people who do not have the training in the area that we need to be rebuilt in? You know, I love to share stories and I believe that the most impactful part of my messages are the real life stories that I tell. 
And yesterday I was sharing about how people say to me when I tell them about encounters I have. Encounters of going to heaven, going to hell, seeing stuff or anything at all. People don't like the hell part, but the heaven part. They're like, oh my God, I want to have it too. I want to see angels too. And I said, you know, people are like, what did you do? What? I'm like, look, listen, nothing. I might have just finished eating a ban of bolo. Do you understand? And you know what, bolo is hard to wash off. You wash it off, you see, small stain will still be here. <laughs> Depending on how sweet the soup was. And just lying out there and saying, please, I beg you, just allow this food to digest. And in the next minute, I'm taken into the presence of God. I have dreams. I'm a daughter of revelation. The Lord speaks to my heart, but I do not believe it makes me more special than anybody. I just believe that from the foundations of the world, I was anointed and ordained to be a revelator. I just believe that from the day I was born, the way the Lord made my spirit and crafted me, he crafted me to be able to carry revelations of him. So I said it is in the normal, normal life. I say this to you so that you understand that I go through the things you go through. I walk the paths you walk on. And I remember at some point in this year, or last year, in fact, many years actually, but let's take the one of last year. I went through a season where it was brokenness, like rubble's brokenness. And I remember laying on the floor one day and I said to God, I said, you know that I'm never doing ministry again. And the Lord said, why? I said, how? Where am I going to start from? How am I going to do it? What am I going to say? I was like, you have dealt with me and I have been dealt with. I said, I question now the realities of certain things that I knew about you. You know, God is to be feared. Oh, he's to be feared. Hmm. I once had a spiritual father who you can play any kind of play with him. Play! But when he deals with you, you will not believe it. You will not think he's the same person. And guess what? Sometimes the Lord is like that. When you look at the kindness and the meekness of God, it is very easy for you to think that, I beg you, he will be like that tomorrow. Where you, where you left God today is not where you meet him tomorrow. I'm not kidding. God is an ever-moving target. And he's progressively being revealed through time. And that is why the word of God, which initially in the Old Testament is called Torah, and as you move, it is now translated, you know, as the word, as the gospel. The meaning of the Torah is, is not a one-word meaning. It is a description. And it's the description of an archer that is holding an arrow. And is trying to shoot a target. But the target is constantly moving. So the ability of the archer to move along with the target so that he can hit it accurately is what the Torah is. The Torah helps you to meet the mark. While seeing is missing the mark. So seeing really is not only when you steal or you kill, but when you miss what God is doing part time. So it is the word of the Lord that brings you back into alignment with God. So I reached a point where I realized that I needed a dose of the Torah. Because 
I found out that I had begun to doubt some realities of God because it felt like the Lord was dealing with me seriously. Now, why am I talking about mastery? In that season, I, find my, I found myself reaching out to people that I would not have reached out to before. Crying out to people that I would not have cried to before. Because my brothers and my sisters, he gets us life be. You understand? And there's a way like can humble you and you'll be humbled. And I'll say, you know, because I feel like this one has got bread for me, help me. And one day I realized that I was filled with anger and grief. Because I was not receiving the help I was asking for. And I felt abandoned. I felt neglected. I felt dropped to the side. And you know, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And as I was grieving one of those days, I said, God, ah, I felt misunderstood. I felt judged in my pain. Ah, I was grieved. I said, God, what kind of life is this? What kind of family are you building? And the Lord said to me, he said, Isi, it's your fault. I said, God, it's like you can't see my tears. I said, how can it be my fault? And he said to me, did I not tell you to not cast precious pearls before swines? He said, if you cast a precious pearl before a swine and the swine tramples it underfoot and attacks you because well, that's what the Bible says it will do. He said, who do you blame? Is it the swine that is attacking you or you that you took your pearl and you put it in front of a swine? He said, by virtue of the fact that you have a pearl, you should be able to detect swines. He said, it is your fault. And he said, in this case, and when you hear it, you think I'm saying pig. No, 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 no. In this case, it is the principle of if you have a pearl, know what you have. Because it is not everybody that has attained mastery to help you manage the pearl in that season. And if you put it in the hands of people who don't have the mastery on how to handle it, you will end up becoming bitter and sad. And I'm telling you the truth. And I remember one of those days I was having a conversation with my husband and I was trying to explain to him I was feeling. And I remember I was saying, please help me, just help me, help me. I don't know what to do. I don't, and I was crying and in my mind I felt like, it's my husband, now who else can you cry, be crying, spit with? And I was crying and I just, I put the cloak of pastor, put the cloak of apostle, anything for coming, I put everything and I was just like, this is just me, I'm easy. I'm just a girl at the end of the day. I need you to help me, Bobby. And if you know my husband very well, he'll just sit there and be looking at you. <laughs> After I finished crying, crying, and he said to me, he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help you past how I've helped you. And I was so mad. But you know, in that moment, bam, I had a light bulb. And the Spirit of God said to me, he cannot help you. There are things that are not in the hands of men to do for you. He said, you see, remember I told you, it is not time that heals wounds, it is God. And he said, your husband does not have mastery in this area of restoration. He said, find those who can help you. And the moment I took the weight of responsibility away from those who don't have mastery, and I turned it towards those who had mastery, my restoration began. Mastery is to not only know the problem that exists, but to know the processes and the tactics 
on how to deal with the problem in every given situation. There are people who are skilled in different areas. There are people who have the grace and capacity. I have used this experience, example for you, so that you would understand that when we are talking about rebuilding, I'm not preaching a message at you. I am telling you the message of my life. So I went through recurrent seasons and bouts of feeling like, ah, oh, the rubbles are here again. In fact, at one point, it was so bad, I thought it was even my mind. I remember telling Bumi, we coming back from one meeting. I was like, oh my God, what's happening to me? But you see, I did not chase it up with her or many people because I knew that the power is, the power is where the power is. Let's just leave it like that. When you find yourself in a situation like this, find skilled men. You cannot build without partnering with skilled people. You cannot build without partnering with skilled people. There are some people that come to me and ask me questions in areas of their lives that I cannot give them an answer to. I am humble enough to say, sweetheart, honestly, I don't know what to say. I'm not skilled in this area. Can you talk to XYZ person who has established an institution and a business in this area? Just because I'm your pastor does not mean I have the answers to all your questions. I can pray for you and pray with you that God will show us where to go, what to do. But I don't have the answers to certain questions. If you're going to be able to rebuild, you must find the skilled people. And we see these two scriptures. When Moses was going to build, of course in Exodus 36 verse 1, we see the spirit of God actually coming upon Aholiab and Bezalel and anointed them with skill and craftsmanship so that they could build his temple. If you, the temple of God, will be built, you need people with skill and craftsmanship. There are certain people who are skilled in the area of restoring broken marriages, skilled in the area of restoring broken hearts, skilled in the area of restoring broken businesses, skilled in the area of restoring broken relationships. Find skilled people if you're going to build back what the Lord has placed on you. You see, in Solomon, Solomon wrote a letter to um, the king, I think, of Tyre, saying to him, I have been commissioned to build the temple of God, but can you send me some of your skilled men to come and help me build? When Solomon was going to build the temple, he didn't say, well, it's the temple of God, it's such a spiritual work, you know, so we're just going to spiritually discern it. No, you need skill. Every area of your life, do you have watchers that have been positioned? In every area of your life, there are some people in my life that are like my economical watchers, economic watchers. If I have a question, I call them. I have some medical watchers. In fact, I have one of them, a friend. Every time I call her, she's like, P.I., you need to start paying me for, paying me for consultation. I'm like, yes, yes, no problem, no problem, but I beg her. Let me quickly send you the reports that one doctor gave me. Help me look at this. Can you help me send it to your other friends that are doctors? When it comes to medicine, I go to her. I'm not going to go to Pastor Nigel. Because that's not his area. The most he can do is refer me to somebody else or tell me, oh, I experienced this once. There are people who, you know, when it comes to marriage, I go to them. You need to have skilled people appointed in different areas of your life. The next thing I want to talk about is the protocol of quietness and submission. There's a book I read once by Bill Hybels. It's called Simplify. And Bill Hybels was talking about the beauty of simplicity. 
and how many times in life we are all about the rush we are all about the noise we are all about and he was just basically talking about how God rebuilt his family how he thought he was losing his marriage he was losing his children he was losing his ministry and the Lord called him back to a place of simplicity and he began to re-evaluate the different aspects of his life and it was so drastic that even things like TV the Lord told them eliminate it Things like, oh, this day I meet with this person, he cut his meeting by 80%. Some of them are not necessary. We are so used to looking busy that we don't know when to stay calm. And the business, the Bible says, which one of you, which one of you, by worrying, you can add one day to your life? Or you can remove or make your hair gray or move more gray or put food on the table? How has worrying ever helped? If you're going to be a builder and you're going to be able to rebuild the things that God has placed in you, you have to come into a place of quietness, make it a culture. You see, in those days, the Bible declares that Moses would take his tent from within the people and he would take it outside the, what's the word now, the camp. And he would set it outside. And when Moses was doing this, the Bible says all the people would come out of their tents and they would look at him while he's doing it. And then he will position the tent outside the camp. And when he positioned the tent outside the camp, as he went into the tent, that the cloud will come down upon the tent that he went to. And the Lord will speak to him as the Lord spoke with a friend. He says, and the children of Israel will come and they will inquire of the Lord once Moses went into the tent. He says, when all of this was over, they will move and they will go back into the place. But Joshua never left the tent. That tent was called the tabernacle of meetings. But the original Hebrew word for meetings is actually the word seasons. And so um, what, what it really means, and if you go back, the first time it appeared was in Genesis 1.14. When God was saying, I have set um, the, the, the lights in the sky and the days for times and for seasons. So this then tells you that what Moses was doing, which seemed like an act in his time, and when you looked at it, you would think, wow, powerful Moses. He was the one that brought forth this season of the tabernacle of meeting, where the people could meet with God, the cloud would come down, da, 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 da. It seemed so powerful. But what Moses was doing was what God had already locked in time since Genesis 1.14. There is no season that came upon the world that it was any man that birth. What we do is as we position ourselves rightly and accurately, we partner with God to pull down what the Lord has already locked in the earth so the people of Israel will come to the tent to inquire of the Lord but what Moses did was he spoke to God as a man would speak with his friend so for God it was about relationship for the children of Israel it was about answers and solutions why am I saying this to you Moses left the camp in order to find God and the Bible declares that it is in quietness and in Confidence that your strength is restored. Isaiah 30, 15. Quietness and confidence. The strategy you need for the next season of restoration, you will find it in the place of quietness. Quietness does not mean you are an introvert. I'm talking about a quiet spirit. Where irrespective of what you see, you are not compelled to make a move. But you are able to rest in the fact that the Lord speaks. And when you come into the, the tent, that the cloud of God will come down. 
and in the communion with the Lord, any solution can be birthed. Quietness and confidence. In 1 Kings 6 verse 7, it says the house while it was being built was built of stone prepared at the quarry and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any iron tool heard in the house while it was being built. So this scripture then tells you three different things. Number one, it speaks about the way that God wants his work done. You know, even though the temple was built by human labor, but God set aside a place where it was done. So that when you appear like this, imagine if I came here and all you are hearing is, ha, hmm, if you tell what happened yesterday, so that's how Judah did not eat. The next day I was sick. The next day my son did not eat. Oh my God, hey. Is that a sermon? When you present the Lord in your temple, what people should see is the quiet hand of a skilled master builder. There is a query somewhere where the work is done. When people see your life, they should see the peace of God, not the storms that try to take you out. These days, media is made out of storms. Good publicity is made out of troubles. So we are strained ourselves and this generation to publicize bad things. So any little thing that happens to you that is not good, you take to the ground. And you will see 5,000 people like it and say, speak your truth. So powerful. Oh my God. From experience, I'm going to tell you that those same people are going to take those words in the future, they will craft it into arrows and use it to shoot you. There are some things that the Lord does and he will say to the person, go and tell no one. Why? Because there are some miracles that should just be seen and observed to the glory of God. The second thing, it speaks about the way God works in his people. The query was far away. It tells you that there is a query. There is a place where the stone is broken, crafted, shaped, but when it is presented as the temple of God, people should see the beauty. But it doesn't take away the place of the query. So the query is a way, is in secret. Many of you cry only when you are here in church. This is not where you rebuild your life. The true place of rebuilding is in the secret place of the Lord. And if Jesus commanded all of us to go to the secret place, that means we all have a secret place. There is a place designated for you within the heart of God, within the chambers of God's spirit. That is your place. It is crafted with your unique nature. When you try to open the door, it is the DNA of your spirit that opens it. And it's the way you pray. It's the way you commune with the Lord. It's the way you touch God's heart in your unique way. The problem is many of us have not found our secret place. That's why we try to mimic other people. We try to copy and so you come up to a stage or you come to minister or you are called within people and you are speaking Christianese because you want to fit into the culture and what you believe are the expectations of people everyone has got a secret place and the secret place is your query where the Lord crafts and breaks your stone find it when you find people who don't have a secret place they leak they leak their troubles 
they lick their pain, they lick their stories, they lick their prayer points. Oh, you know, yesterday I was just talking to God about, oh, yeah. I was talking to someone recently, I was like, I think you need to go and spend time with the Lord. Person was like, why? On the outward, this person is powerful. Constantly speaking about one thing or the other. And I said, because you're talking too much. You are over trying to be powerful. You are overcompensating. I said, you need to go back and find the rest that should accompany the anointed ones. And the person said, okay, okay. I said, go back to the word. Go back to prayer. Go back to fasting. And the person the next day sent me a message. Look at the word I'm reading. These are the five things that God said. I said, here goes the problem. Don't tell me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't tell me. The fact that you feel compelled to make it known to me that you have found the rest means you have not found the rest. If you are going to build, there is a kind of singleness of heart and mind and thought that strengthens your hand to craft lasting buildings. Find it. You don't find it in the arms of someone or in someone else's closet. You find it in yours. That is one thing that is lacking. And the third thing that this speaks to, it speaks to the church that God is building. Earth is our query. Eternity is the temple. There is a new Jerusalem and a new earth. And an eternal life that we are all called to occupy. The question is, which living stone are you? In earth's query, are you being crafted properly by the hand of God? Or are you a stone that has leg and has hand? Every time the hammer is coming, yeah, you dodge it. Some matrix, eh, see, move. God cannot catch you. Constantly dodging the bullets of the spirit. So every time you are the type that they choose, because of you, that's why we have ushers. Ushers, catch him. Hold that girl. Auntie, wait. Let the power of God hit you. And so you find in the query of God that he has set up on the earth, many living stones that are never staying so that the Lord can accomplish his work in them. Trust me. You will know when the burden has lifted. The same way that in prayer, we say we have prayer points, prayer projects, prayer burdens. How do you know when a prayer burden has left? The burden is lifted. How do you know when a season has passed, you will feel the establishment of the previous season in you? In the form of knowledge, in the form of understanding, in the form of character, nature, in the form of relationships. You will know that the previous season has been established. Wait at the query. Because if you are not properly chiseled in this life, in eternity, you cannot be used to build the stone that will form the temple of God. The third protocol is a protocol of watchfulness. You need to watch because you cannot build if you are not watching. So there are certain people in my life that I tell, please tell me if you ever see me going in a certain direction that has no bearing on the initial path that I told you God has called me to. 
And please feel free to ask me. I'm here to answer your questions regarding my decisions. Why? Because we all need to watch and we all need watchers. People who watch us as we watch over the word of the Lord in our lives. I remember I was talking to one of my watchers recently and I had shared a vision I had had. And in, the part, in this vision, there was a part of it that I thought had nothing to do with me, to be honest. And I thought in my self-righteousness, I thought it had everything to do with the position of some people, you know, the way some people live their lives. Oh my goodness. You know, God just revealed to me something so powerful about, you know, and I shared it and I remember um, he said to me, he said, oh, fantastic, you know, P.I., when we, you know, when we talk next time, let's talk about it. And we went all about the fantastic parts of this revelation. And then he asked me, he said, what do you think about this particular part of it? I said, ah, you know, God is speaking to this, this, this about people's lives. After he was like, wow, that's such a powerful perspective. And when I finished, he said, can I tell you what I think? I was like, yeah, absolutely. He said, I actually think it's you. I paused for one minute. And in like, no, I paused for a second. And in like 10 seconds after that, I was wailing. Like the tears could not stop. I was crying. And I was like, oh my God. I was crying because, first of all, in my self-righteousness, I could not even see myself inside it. Jonas, I just thought, wow, this is a dream of the Lord for people. And he said, is this the auntie? Actually, it's you. Hey. And the next thing, it dawned on me. As I, as I realized it was me, I was like, my goodness, God. That alone challenged me to change my position. Do you have watchers? Or are you so self-righteous and so full of yourself that you believe that you are the one that has the hammer, the chisel, the chainsaw, the caterpillar, and everything you need to build this building? Where are the other masters that God has called into your life? One of my favorite scriptures, if you know me, you know it's Habakkuk 2. And Habakkuk talking about, I will stand upon my watchtower so that I may see what he will say and how I should respond. And I tell people that the voice of God has got an image. He says, so that I will see what he will say. What have you been seeing? But the most critical part of that scripture is how he he should respond. Many of us want to hear. Many of us want to see. Many of us want to receive. But we never respond right. If you're going to be able to build properly, you must watch carefully and you must respond properly. The next thing I want you to watch out for in the protocol of watchfulness as a builder is the spirit of Absalom. Let me explain to you what Absalom is. Absalom was a son of David. Absalom was beautiful. Absalom was Bright, when you beheld him, you're like, ah, oh, this is such a handsome guy, my goodness. If there was anyone that came close to his father, in terms of beauty, appearance, strength, warfare, interaction with the generals and stuff like that, it was Absalom. But there was a problem with Absalom. Absalom's heart was not right with David. Absalom had a heart against David. 
And in Absalom's heart, he believed that when his sister Tamar or Tamar, I keep mixing the name, was raped, that David should have done something to his brother. David did nothing. So Absalom went and killed his brother. David did nothing. That's a story for another day about the responses of David. And then you find out that David now, as a nice guy that he is, he will still let Absalom into his courts, Absalom around him, because he just thought, yeah, 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 he may not have been happy. He's taking out his vengeance. What can I do? You know, I'm raising such a crazy family. You know, being a father is hard. I never had a present father. The next father I took, my spiritual father was just after me to kill me. So, hey, don't blame me. So, here is David failing at fatherhood. But he did not know the depth of pain and anger that Absalom was carrying against him. Hear me. There are two kinds of people that can destroy whatever you are building. There are people who hate you, dislike, choose to misinterpret and misunderstand you. Like Eva was sharing, from a distance, they just look and say, the way in which she used to speak and do as chaste, when she's preaching, she's proud. From a distance, they will just decide how you are. Or somebody else will tell them, see, 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 ah, she's this, so she doesn't this. And they will decide. Never presenting before you, is it true? Is it, or giving you the opportunity to show yourself. That can take you down. But the one that is worse are the ones that are closest. That you still let into your court. You still let into your bedroom. You still expose your secrets to. But they carry hurt and bitterness and anger against you. Let me tell you, some things don't go away because you wish for them to. Some things must be dealt with with healthy conversations and strong prayers. Because what people carry in their hearts sometimes is not because of what you did. It's because of what their grandfather did not do. Then their mother now did. Then their best friend succeeded in redoing. So by the time you are doing it, you are thinking, is it this thing? No, it's an accumulation of previous failures that is just highlighted or looking greater because it came from you. So when you are dealing with issues with people, you must deal in prayer. Because you want to challenge their strongholds in the place of prayer. Before the person can even arrive at speaking truth with you. Now, the other thing is, there's the Absaloms in you. Not just the physical ones around you. There are the Absalom wounds inside you. That you never took care of. And it's the reason why some people's marriages are breaking today. You will come for rebuilding this year. You come for rebuilding next year. Then the year after, auntie, we are still rebuilding the same thing. Why? It's because you cannot rebuild past the ruins you refuse to acknowledge exist. They will always rise up and come against you. Satan will always use them as puppets against you. Absalom was wounded. He was broken. It may be something you felt that you should have gotten in your course of career and work. And you just never felt acknowledged for your labor. You just never felt acknowledged. You just felt, never felt like they saw you. 
You were skipped over consistently when it came to promotion. And you left that system and you went into the business world. Yes, you have made it in the business world, but there's a deep-seated insufficiency in you. Let me tell you, Absaloms have the capacity to wake up and self-sabotage what you are building 10 years later. You will now realize that the anger and the you must see me that with which you now lead your business is not coming from the people you hired. It's coming from the lack of acknowledgement you did not get initially when you were working in the corporate world. We must deal with our Absaloms because when Absalom came against David, he stood at the gate. Everybody that came in and out of the court, he would tell them, ah, have you seen how Pia is doing? I don't really know. Let's just be watching, Sha. Absalom will still go in and eat with David at the table. Then he will still stand at the gate. My question is, where were the gatekeepers? Why did nobody tell David, look at what Absalom is doing? Listen to me. That's why it's no good to build a fake life or to build fake relationships. It's either in or out. It's either here or there. It cannot be in middle ground. If it's in middle ground, stay at the outer court. But if you're going to be in here with all the artilleries to destroy, then stay outside. In here, we deal with stuff. You must see your life like a gold mine. And I don't mean it from the place of pride. I mean it from the place of scriptures that says he has placed this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of it may be of God. Yesterday I was sharing with you guys. I said before, I used to, like, I... Anyway, before, there were some things that I will never deal with or confront. And I was jokingly saying how I tell my husband, Nana Bobby, just calm down. This fight is not about to end now. It's not, it will not end in the next five minutes. It's going to take approximately five weeks. And I intend to fight it fully. So just relax. You understand? Let's get in there and war. And you will think to, my, to me, ah, ah, is this, is this woman, is it the, the, the pain of just, you know, I don't really want to quarrel. Auntie, I want to quarrel. No, 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 no. Because guess what? We end up having half-baked reconciliations. And they wake up the next day and come back and bite us. No. If there are things to be dealt with, deal with it. You see the way we were raised, if I was talking about it, we were raised in this culture of the child is angry. And the child is like, oh, mommy, before the child can fully express it, are you mad? The child will now keep quiet. I'll not be quiet. It's, it's me you're swelling for. Jonathan, the child has said, mommy, I'm not swelling. Then as tears is dropping, I they, I they correct you, they cry. What did they make you cry? What make I slap you? Meanwhile, the slap has landed. Do you understand? So you now realize that the child grows up never understanding how to deal. And then you wonder, how oh, this man of now, there's no, you are raising another man like that in your house. You will raise another version that dealt with you when you were a single girl, you will raise it for another woman in the future. If you don't now attend to these things. So what I tell my son now is, I tell him, look, you are a king. You are a prince that has been trained for a throne. Talk 
talk like a king. If you have something to say, say it. Because we are used to this in this culture, we end up growing up and we don't know how to deal. But guess what? It is breaking you. Absalom's will always return. If you don't know how to handle it, go and find people. There's nothing wrong with getting a Christian therapist. There's nothing wrong with seeing a counselor. There's nothing wrong with picking up your phone and saying, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I can't see the path in front of me. Let them show you with scriptures, line by line, precept upon precept, because you are building something. You cannot afford to compromise on any pillar. Of course, you want to deal with Sambalas and Tobias, the mockers, the ones who never think you know what you are doing. In your face, they tell you, oh, fantastic. You're... You see, this thing you are doing is the thing that, in fact, I have been... Then they turn around and they're like, you know, I don't really think she knows what she's doing. I call that wickedness. Wickedness. I would rather, if you are telling me how great and mighty what you are doing is, if I don't believe it, I'll just be saying, mm, mm. If I know you've not given me the access to tell you that I don't think this thing is right, I'm just going to keep quiet. But you will not hear me say fantastic. And what? It's not fantastic. The least you owe your brother is the truth or a conversation that would enable you to understand what they are doing. That's the least you owe them. Sambalat and Tobias is not only the mockery to your face that destroys you. The mockery behind you, why? Because the words we speak, they are spirit life. You can sit like this and feel the scourge of arrows on your back. Meanwhile, you are not hearing one thing that anybody is saying. You just know. Spirit life. In the book that this guy wrote, I can't remember his name, um, that, that described warfare in the realm of the spirit. It's like a story. He had a vision. Sorry? Not this present darkness. It has two parts. Quest. There's something quest. Final quest. Jivik Joyner. I read that book over and over. Oh, do you see how Christians were the ones that kill ourselves? And with words, and many times we think it's self-righteousness. We think it's, the Bible says if you have a problem with your brother, go to him. Don't come to me. Come to me only if you don't know how to go to him. And if you, if you come to me, you don't have to tell me the full story. Just tell me, I have a problem with Pastor Nigel. I don't know how to tell him. And I will tell you, ah, Pastor Nigel is not like that too. But don't tell me, Pierre, let me just tell you what it is. So maybe you will understand why. I don't want to know. If you're about to expose him to me, I don't want to hear it. If it's going to damage him and damage my impression of him, don't tell me. Tell me only when you have told him and you people have reconciled it and he has decided to be sharing it as a testimony. You see, when you build like this, you are adding strength to the church. You sit at the back and you say, why? The churches of now, there's no miracle. Why would there be a miracle? When the pastor, before they climbed, 50 of the 51 people in the church have finished insulting him. Finished talking about, I don't know this church. You know, well, let's just be going. I need somewhere to be going every Sunday. No. No, no, no. No. 
strengthen your brothers and strengthen yourself. Sometimes we are the Sambalat and Tobiasis of our lives. Somebody tells you, my God, Eva, you're so powerful. You preach such a powerful message. Don't say, I don't know, I'm just, I don't know. No, Pia, you're so powerful. I know, right? So every time now that I mock myself, the Lord rebukes me. The Lord pulls me back and says, hope you know it is my power at work in you that you are mocking. It's this thing is not really about you. It's about who you represent. So don't be a Sambalat and Tobias that says things like, ah, this thing I'm even doing, if a fox should climb it, it should just fall. No. This thing I'm building is strong. It's got solid foundations. Someday it's going to house thousands and millions of people. Oh, I'm such a blessing to the world. Every time I stand and I open my mouth, the hearts of men are convicted. People want to receive the gospel of Christ. Guess what? There's a difference between pride and confidence in the Lord. People like, they can tell you, you say you are proud, it's okay. But I make my boast in Jesus. Learn to boast in the Lord. Don't destroy your own life. Watch out for a Sambalat and Tobias syndrome. Many of us call it humility, but it is actually inverted pride. It's actually pride. What did the Bible say in Habakkuk 2 towards the end? He says, for the just shall live by faith. He says, but look at the proud. His soul is not upright in him. Why did he talk about the just living by faith in God? And then he now talked about the proud man. That means a proud person is a person that does not walk by faith. That's pride. That the Lord says, but you choose to believe it's not possible. It's pride. If you're going to be a builder, you must take care of pride. The fourth protocol is know how to get the buy-in of people. It is so important. You cannot build on your own. Take it or leave it. If it were left to me, I would be a singular builder. Because of my unique nature, I try, honestly I try. But sometimes I say it as it is. And sometimes I really truly love to be alone. I enjoy my company, but I try. I really, really try. So, because of my unique nature, it is very easy to sometimes be misunderstood. So, over the years, when you get tired of explaining and explaining and explaining, you just tell yourself, I remember everybody rest. Jesus, Jesus is going to be alright. We are all going to be fine. But you know what? Every time I still arrive at the point when I tell myself that in the beginning God said, let us. It was Elohim, the tripartite God that made. When God was going to create man, it was God, the tripartite nature that he made. Every time God creates, he never creates alone. It is a principle that God is teaching us. There is never conflict in the throne of God. 
There is never apprehension about the decision of a part of the throne. How is it that what is natural to God has become alien to man? Unity and peace. You always need your brothers to build with. And you need people to build with. You must look at the protocol of converting others to the vision that God has given to you. Look at everyone that God called. Up to Jesus. If they will always gather people and explain to them. And say, oh, as it was prophesied. So, 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 I am here to fulfill the prophecy. Moses will go back to the elders after seeing the burning bush and explain to them that, look, I met with God. This was what he said. They will complain. He will come back. They will do miracle of snake. They will complain. He will come back. He will do miracle of water. They will complain. He kept going back. Why? Because he could not be the leader all by himself. Hear me. Peace and unity is a culture and is not subject to people. There are people who have the ability to engage multiple people. They have trained themselves to be peacekeepers and peacemakers. There are two things. A peacemaker crafts peace. You look for ways, opportunities, and avenues that peace can come forth. When you see that there's trouble, you go and look for how you can set up the two parties to ensure that they collide at a juncture where they cannot push it and disgrace themselves. So that seeing that they are now sitting at the lobby of Radisson Blue, they're not going to fight. You understand? They will have to speak nicely because Oimbo de Wakapas. You are a peacemaker. You also, when somebody hurts you, you create opportunities for them to reconcile with you. But they are also peacekeepers. After you've made the peace, you resolve in your heart to keep the peace. You resolve in your heart to keep the peace. And I'm not talking about fake, fake keeping, or real keeping. Because you understand that this is the peace by which we will build the, the, the body of Christ, build the church. You don't take your eyes off the goal. We need to learn to walk with peace. So that as you are communicating the vision, they can buy in. Somebody said to me, a minister said to me, I said, Isi, do you know that you are one of the freest female ministers in Nigeria? I said, I don't understand. And the person said, think about it. You are constantly in the company of brothers. Today, if it's not Pimu, it's Pastor Niger. If it's not Pastor Niger, it's Pastor Chinto. Oh, my prof. Oh, my days. And for said, oh, you know, we so much love this woman. Do you know you can't declare such with some women? The husband would just tell her, eh, you know, sit down here. No ministry again for you for the next three years until you learn good behavior and interaction with the opposite says. And that is one place I really celebrate my husband. I celebrate my husband. And I celebrate the grace of God that he has given me to also never have given him a reason to doubt me. And I celebrate the company of people that God has placed around me, pure people. 
I cannot pull out one message today from any of these men of God that I will look at the message like this and look at it like this and look like this to be sure that I understand what they are saying. No corruption, no perversion. Pure and simple. I say this to you. And so the person said to me, you are so free. And look, at, I was like, actually, that is really true. That's so true. And the person then said, but what I want to understand is, when you people do all this, your the day of the Lord, the this of the this, how? Did you, I'm sure you must have written like some rules and guiding principles. I say, for who? Is it people I want to tell? Um, so people now, um, if we're going to do this, here are the five things you need to observe for this alliance to work. Who do I want to write it for? Abby's apostle told me I want to tell. The one that used to see backyard from front house. <laughs> Just, how do I want to? Is it TikTok? TikTok will not tell me. Within the context of the generation, I not fit. Leave it there. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Abby's prof. According to Hosea, the Lord began to explain that the dictates of the faith. Just that. Abby is my grandfather, that's how you. Tell my daddy's so I celebrate grace, Pastor Nigel. Who do I want to tell? Abby is Pastor Bumi and Pastor Lemwe. Guess what? So I told the person, I said, no. Actually, we all labor together under the banner of peace and in recognition of the fact that none of us is great. The person that is really great is Jesus. So when we come together, listen, we don't do all those, oh my God, how are you, how are you? Fantastic, great meeting you had last week. Oh my God, you're touching serious. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Nothing, no. Nothing like that. If Tommy come here today for America, ah, apostle, apostle, ah, ah, the prophet of God, my God. Yeah, yeah, just when I get head, when I get tea. All of us, I'm not kidding. That's how we go, let go, let put one person in the middle, yab the person. Ha! Ah, prof, the ascended one. Ha! So we. We are so real. So there is no, there's no need. There's no need for that. Why do we do it? Each person has got their own institution, organization, grace, strength, capacity. What was the only thing we need to say? Ah, Pimo. You know, I've been praying for like two months now. And the Lord has been saying to me, so, 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 and so. Pimo, let's do it now. P.I., you know, I can feel what you're saying. I think it's the Lord. Let's go. The phone calls are simple as that. Sometimes it's a case of, P.I., um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't gotten there, but I trust you. It's as simple as, ah, eh, Pastor Niger, okay now, if you say so. That's simple. Why? Because you cannot be a builder that does not know how to communicate burdens. You are angry that nobody is supporting you, strengthening you, building with you. But how do you ask for it? 
do you go there without the cloak of, you know, I got it all covered. I'm just giving you this great opportunity to partake of the glory of God upon my life. Auntie, you will eat your glory. Use it to make tea. Bake cake with the glory. Eat it by yourself. Learn to be a communicator. But if you want people to buy into what you're doing, buy into what they are doing. If you want people to support you, support them. If you want people to honor you, honor them. If you want to have friends, show yourself to be friendly. If you need people to walk in humility with you, be humble when you walk with them. Because you need all these people to build. People of God, it is a war of gates. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. It is gate versus gate. My question to you is, are you a gate or are you just one, two block that was built? Are you a gate that is able to withstand the gates of hell? The gates of hell speak about the authorities, the power, the dominion, the strategies, the capacity of hell. When you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? After you pray, how do you feel? Do you feel like you have sufficiently endowed yourself with what you need for the day? Or do you feel like you have endowed yourself with what a generation needs to survive? Become a gate. Become a gate. Stand in the way of the onslaught of hell. Be ready to take bullets for people that will never know that you stood in the gap for them. There is a statement that I think Tiffany or somebody may said, are you standing in the gap or are you standing in the way? Some of us are standing in the way of people's liberation and deliverance while others are standing in the gap. Sometimes when I resist some temptations, listen, if it's me, I am not enough for me to do certain things that I do. When I stay in some things, for myself, I am not sufficient. But when I think of you, when I think of the authenticity of my message when I have to preach, when I think of my ability to give you the right counsel, I don't ever want to tell somebody, well, this is what the word says, but, no buts. It is because of the people, my generation and the church. That's why I make second sacrifices that I make for the Lord. Become a gate. Become a way by which people can experience God. Become a channel by which the goodness of God can flow through the earth. Jacob said, listen, for surely this is the gate of heaven. And it is the house of God. That means in the house of God, you have multiple gates that connect with heaven. Multiple people, when you press one's life, you receive joy. When you open another one's life, you've opened the gate of encounters. When you open another one's life, you've opened the gate of healing. When you touch another one's life, you've touched another, you've touched the gate, gate of business strategy. Become a gate until you have attained mastery and you have begun to learn how to sense the seasons of God and observe the protocols of a builder. It is impossible for you to stand as a gate. My prayer for you is that the Spirit of God will give you what it takes to stand. To stand in His will. To stand in His training. That you will not remove yourself from the query and the query processes of God.
But the Lord will give you the capacity to stay in the trainings of the Spirit. I pray that the Lord will pull you in and pull you near to people of faith and people of strength and people of wisdom, people of purity and truth so that you will not have to live with the torment of pain and betrayal. But I pray that the Spirit of God would enable you to extend yourself in love, extend yourself in gratitude, extend yourself in peace and unity so that it will be recorded in the annals of time and of the heavens that when you lived on earth that the church of God was built up that cities were strengthened that the gates of hell could not prevail because you were existing on the earth I pray that you your name shall be accounted for as a generation because of the impact that you would make I pray that when you are written about in the heavens that many things will be written concerning you and many names will be numbered under your labor in the name of our Lord Jesus I pray that God will give you the strength to push and the capacity to birth I pray that he would enlighten your understanding and he will quench the fires of darkness so that you may see and stand tall may the Lord surround you with goodness and may the mercy of God overtake you consistently. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.